Hello and welcome to The Big Rishi, the podcast where we're tracking the first 100 days of Rishi Sunak's Premiership and just seeing what he gets up to. As always, I'm joined by Ben Blissett. Hello. And Rory Taylor. Hello. I normally say what you do, but I forgot today. Uh, they know they by know now. Us. If they're, if they're this deep, huge names in media. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know? Massive yeah. scoops getting you two. Uh, how are we both doing? I don't like we've started this with such a dick. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was doing good until that, that insult, okay. to be honest. I was, I'm, I'm still nice doing day. good, to be still honest. Good. Still doing yeah, good, great. yeah. yeah well. good. Um, do you want to explain what's going on here? Uh, we're not just having beers because we wanted beers. Oh, uh, it's no, actually... Oh well, there you go. Maybe um, both. I am. It's Rory actually isn't. in. Uh, we're, we're toasting uh, Rishi Sunak for surpassing Liz Truss in number of days as Prime Minister. So, well done. Big namaste. Cheers, Rishi. Cheers, Rishi. Um, so he's on, I believe, fifty-one days now. Yeah. Uh, Liz Truss was forty-nine oh, in the end. He smoked her. Um, so he's no longer the shortest-serving, or he definitely he... won't be the shortest-serving Prime Minister. Oh, from by height. Yeah. I'm joking. He's not that short. <laughs> yeah, very good. We like we like short people. Um, so yeah, big moment for the podcast. Big moment for Rishi. Well done, Rishi. Well done. Oh, I'm sure it would mean a lot <laughs> to him. He's a big fan. Yeah. I mean, it's not just to be clear. It's not a huge. No, 51 days. No, most prime ministers have done that. Yes. Um, well, really? every single prime yeah, minister, apart from one. Apart from yeah. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's about 100 more days until he's not the second shortest serving. He's Who was? George Canning. Very good. We won't yes. be here for that, though. We're only doing the first 100. The yeah. only reason George Canning was, was that short is actually because he, he died in office. <laughs> Why did you... You said that in a way that made me laugh. And I don't know. It I just don't sounded like an audio book. Do you know who the, <laughs> you know who the yeah. shortest seven prime minister who left office without dying was? Was it the Viscount? Okay, Doddridge? so there's yeah. a lot yeah. of strikes going on this <laughs> month. Um, we've covered it a couple of times before. We've covered it on the channel. Yeah. We've done shorts, all kinds of stuff. So who's striking and what are they striking about? So there's a load of different groups. I don't like that you interrupted my um, Viscount Goderich fan. I just don't want that to go unnoticed. I'll do it again. If you, if you mention mm. that man's the name again. The audience loves it. Let, let us know in the you comments how much you like our Lord Goderich fact. You should say who isn't striking because it's yeah. Whoa. those people are satire, so got, right? Very good. Um, we've got uh, rail workers, um, NHS workers, Royal Mail, members of the civil service. All of those are striking this month. It's basically um, disputes over pay because... They're often being given pay rises which are below inflation, which means that they're all having to accept um, real-term pay cuts. Yes. Um, so they're all sort of making demands to try and increase their pay to make sure that they basically stay at the same rate. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that's why that's why the strikes are happening. Of those people, though, the strikes that are most readily discussed in the media are nurses and the RMT. That's the rail union. Mm. So... What are those specific strikes actually about? What are they looking for? So the Royal College of Nursing has asked for a 5% pay increase mm -hmm. above inflation. Wow. So that will obviously, what they're asking for will change as inflation changes. Yeah. So by some estimates, um, the upper end estimates, mm -hmm. they're estimating that the, uh, inflation is currently about 14%, okay. which means that the government are kind of using this 19% figure as almost like an insult to try and say, sure. you know, it's a, they're, too they're, high. they're asking yeah. for 19%, this is too high. So 19% is the figure the government are claiming that the Royal College of Nursing yeah. are asking for, what they're actually asking for is 5% above inflation, which when they made the claim wouldn't have been Anywhere near 19%. But because it. this dispute has lasted so long, yeah. it's uh, about 90%. Um, interestingly, uh, just staying on the Royal College of Nursing, um, Keir Starmer and the Labour Party has mm -hmm. actually said that that is too high, that they couldn't, okay. they couldn't 
they don't think the government can afford that. Yeah. Obviously, they're still criticizing the government and criticizing them for not oh, wouldn't they? Um, uh, coming to an agreement with the Royal College of yeah. Nursing. Uh, but interestingly, even Labour accept that that's too high. And presumably the inflation plus five, the justification I'm guessing is the historic underpayment and the fact wages haven't kept yeah. track with what inflation yeah. for it's a while basically now. To keep up with inflation this year, but also the last 10 years of not being paid you okay. know, in line with inflation. Fair mm. enough. The RMT, exactly. what's the case there? So the RMT, um, they... To this my is knowledge, complicated, right? It's, it's slightly more complicated. To my knowledge, they haven't got something that they're specifically asking for because there's okay. a lot of other factors at play here. Mm -hmm. A lot of the um, dispute between the RMT and Network Rail... Um, and other operating companies are effectively not only to do with pay, they're to do with working conditions as well. Sure. So it's not as simple as just saying that they're looking for a certain percentage pay rise yeah. because there's a lot of other things um, to do with uh, what days they work and sociable hours. Mm -hmm. There's stuff to do with technology. So there's this whole dispute about... Um, uh, these like when doors close on trains they mm. can be automated but the the, uh, the rmt is saying that they won't accept that being rolled out because they don't think it can be done in a safe way it also means that certain workers would be laid off for doing that so the, sure. there's a huge amount of things that are actually at play with the rmt dispute but in effect the latest offer from network rail is a five percent pay rise this year and a further four percent pay rise at the beginning of next year okay and um, the, the the they claim that they will not make there be any um, sort of uh, compulsory job losses until January 25. Mm -hmm. um, the issue is, though, that uh, this deal also comes... So this, this deal came from Network Rail mm -hmm. to the RMT. Uh, it also comes with uh, an increase in sociable hours, unsociable hours, sorry. Okay. So 30% increase in unsociable hours. Um, it also comes um, with a 50% cut in, in scheduled maintenance work. Wow. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things involved in this, but in essence, they're just you know, if you want to boil it down to its simplest thing, they're only being offered five percent this year, four percent next Which year. Which is inflation's yeah. in excess of ten percent. Mm, yeah, that's not that's not a huge pay rise, especially considering the other factors they care yeah. about aren't being addressed. Yes, and exactly. The things like working conditions, maintenance, all those things are actually getting worse. They also balloted their members to see whether they would accept okay. um, this deal proposed to them by Network Rail. Yeah. the RMT advised their members not to vote for to, to vote against yeah. it. 64% of their members voted against it. Oh, closer than you might expect, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, striking means that people won't be paid for the days that they're striking. Yes, so it's um, understandable that some people so just some want people, it done. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, coming up to Christmas, it's yeah. a cost of living crisis. So some people might be voting against yeah, on those grounds. Um, but yeah, no, that, that, was, that was rejected. Um, there's been some disagreement as well about the government's role in all of this, because mm -hmm. um, largely the RMT is... is negotiating with companies like Network Rail. The government hasn't really been involved that much. Mm -hmm. um, they are sort of got very much of a hands-off approach yeah. uh, to it. Some have been claiming that they've been more involved than the government is. The government is effectively suggesting that they're not involved as well. Yeah. Um, the TUC over sort of the, you know, in autumn, in August, September, was claiming that the government had said that they weren't involved, but were actually um, putting some... Uh, stipulations in the the offers to the RMT, huh. um, which made it less favourable and less likely for the RMT okay. to accept it. So there's some allegations of the government being a little bit underhanded um, with their approach to these negotiations. But in essence, it looks unlikely that either group are going to come to an agreement anytime soon. And there's huge strike action um, throughout this month. Mm. And into next month as well. Yeah, and especially on the rails. Yeah. I remember doing uh, this podcast maybe must have been a month ago now mm -hmm. and it was when the rmt had called off had suspended upcoming strikes yes. and, it, and i think i said something like oh it feels like you know there's a bit of movement in the right direction and now it feels like it's gone completely back. yeah i'll <laughs> take it back and i'll say it's gone the other way and i think the rhetoric 
kind of surrounding the train strike has, has kind of got worse as we head towards Christmas as well because mm-hmm. obviously everyone wants to, you know, people who are kind of having a go at the RMT will say, you're damaging business, you're damaging mm-hmm. families' plans, whatever at this time. Yeah. Um, so this time of year seems particularly kind of tense between the, the parties, really. I do also, just before we move on from this, I think it's worth saying as well, going back to the Royal College of Nursing thing, um, they obviously have... Um, strikes throughout this month yeah but there is a stipulation um in legislation that they have to provide um sort of life preserving um, and urgent care so even though they are striking this month in in, in exceptional circumstances you know in in, in well life-threatening cases yeah they st- the staff still have to be able to carry out their work so they are still doing that nonetheless though um there's going to be a lot of lost uh surgeries things like that that, that are sort of especially with the backlog mm. it's in the NHS. I mean, it's only furthering this backlog, furthering this problem. Mm. Um, but for urgent care, that is that is still taking place. What's the impact of this on the government? This is obviously doesn't look great for them. It's not good that businesses are shutting down. The economic impact isn't great. But is this a real issue for Sunak? Or is this kind of a, a problem for the country, but less so for the party specifically, do you think? It's a big issue, Jack. Yeah, uh, okay, for sorry. Sunak. It's, uh, it, it's sorry, a di- They... <laughs> it's an issue, Jack. Uh, I think that Sunak is basically trying to just blame, that he's very much in the Conservative government, is trying to blame workers for yeah. making these demands and trying to say that it's unreasonable that they're doing all these strikes over Christmas. How awful is this? It's terrible. But they're, ha- they're doing a very hands-off approach. They're not intervening in this. They're not using powers that they, 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 they have yeah. in order to in- in- intervene and to try and put these um, to bed. So they're, they're trying to shift the blame away from them mm-hmm. and say that this is very much... They're deciding to strike. They're making your Christmases worse. Um, but obviously, if you look at the surface, or, or, you know, if you actually look past the surface, mm-hmm. if, you, if you actually dig into this a little bit, um, the those striking are striking because they're having to accept less pay next year. And it's yeah. a cost of living crisis. You know, it's understandable that workers who are having to accept pay cuts, you know, aren't going to do that uh, rolling over. They're going to mm-hmm. try and use powers available to them to try and increase their pay so the conservative government's just trying to shift blame on this i think i think it's the the nurses strike in particular is a really difficult one because i don't see you know what is the end result Mm. because you know in a a normal kind of negotiation situation maybe they meet in the middle on on the pay rise but um the fact that it's got to the point where they are actually striking shows that you know they haven't been able to reach anything close to an agreement um Mm. and with with the nursing profession in particular, it's already massively like understaffed. And if they're not willing to give them a pay rise to keep nurses currently in the job from striking, mm-hmm. like going forward, how do, how are we going to attract enough people to be yeah. nurses and work in the healthcare industry? Um, you know, it's really it's quite a dangerous situation, I think. Yeah. Um, without a real obvious kind of endpoint in sight. It's also an interesting point that the Conservative government has really tried in the pandemic to act as if they are big, you know, proponents for nurses and mm-hmm. doing the whole clap for carers and all this. And then when it comes down to it and they're asking for, uh, I, I mean, 19%, I understand 19% on the surface seems quite high, but the fact that they're not even trying to negotiate with them on this, they're not trying mm-hmm. to mediate any dispute on this. Um, they're not willing to sort of... You would, come yeah, to, they, they, mean, they, it doesn't seem like there's this sense of urgency for the yeah. Conservative government to put this to bed. Just to be clear, they're the ones... That, they have legislative power to resolve some of these disputes and they're not using it. Sure. This is a lack of, of care and well, attention paid. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the nursing strike, it is effectively, are they willing to pay more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, with the, you know, it's much more complicated with the railway strike because obviously there's lots of private companies involved yeah. in network rail and stuff, but... The nurses' strike is is one in particular where it's it's down to the government to make that decision. 
And you can, there is a hypothetical that you can imagine where the government do say, okay, we'll pay this amount to nurses mm -hmm. and the nurses agree to it. Um, and they say, you know, this is because they've done all this during the pandemic and they deserve it. Mm -hmm. But then you have police officers and firefighters and teachers and lots of other people in the in the public sector who will who then will say, uh, you know, we also worked yeah, through the, we also worked yeah. through the pandemic. So why can't we have it? And I think that's what the government is kind of afraid of. Yeah, don't want to start a ripple effect. Yeah, and yeah, you can see that. But equally, as you say, nursing and kind of the NHS is in a difficult yeah, spot as exactly. is, especially when it comes to yeah. hiring, kind of the impacts of Brexit and so on. Yeah, it's a it's a difficulty. I think you're right. These kind of downplaying it at the moment and that might be working the kind of blaming mm. it on workers thing but if it does have impacts on emergency services mm. etc going forward that's a little bit harder to and when sell. it's like a huge number of different industries striking that that argument of these are people just demanding too much yeah kind of, kind of falls apart because if it was just one group you can yes. you can kind of put it on them but when everyone's striking it's like <laughs> bit maybe, maybe yeah. it's something else i just want to make a wider point about this as well which is that um with all of this we, we basically wasted and I think I brought this, this point up before, but we wasted six months-ish this year in, in a really yes. vital point, a really mm. vital turning point for this country um, after COVID, mm -hmm. you know, in a cost of living crisis, after war Brexit in Ukraine, too, really, Brexit, considering else. how little time there was properly post-Brexit, pre-COVID. I, I think it's mm. worth noting that it isn't a different party. There might be different factions within the Conservative Party, but when you go to vote, yeah, you're same. voting for Conservatives. Yeah. These are all the same people. And they a lot wasted, of the cabinet members are the same, just it, moved mm, around Exactly. Too. And they wasted six months, if not more, debating with themselves, uh, uh, debating with themselves who should take over, then realising that that person's terrible <laughs> and almost crashed mm. the economy, put pension funds at risk almost crashed the pound mm -hmm. um, all of this time and the, you know they had real immediate uh, effects on the economy and, and the country going forward but aside from that that no one talks about is the time wasted other sure. countries were using that time to try and get their economy stable and back on track and a lot of these problems i genuinely believe come come back to this this yeah. point the fact that there was no progress made over summer the fact that they had a really long protracted leadership election when they then in the subsequent leadership election turned out you could do it in less than three days yeah they had a month over summer where nothing was being done johnson refused to legislate so he said oh it's up to the next person and wasted nearly what six eight weeks deciding yeah. on who the success would be who was in office for 49 days and whose every single one of those policies either turned out to be a failure or were backtracked or, or were rolled back mm -hmm. by her successor because they had such a, a divergent opinion on policy yeah so all of these problems they they you know they are bad and there's, there's different reasons for them but it, it was absolutely not helped by the the mm. waste absolute waste of time mm. we, we, we've done this year and i know that at times we, we make jokes and we're a bit you know we we, we, we treat some of these issues with a bit of levity which, which I, I think certainly has its place but you know there's a real serious point here that the, the wasted time has, has had such an effect on politics this year and and you know there's a lot of people who who you know are being affected and, and their lives being made significantly worse this Christmas, especially when it comes to things like um, the, the nurses, nursing yeah. strikes, because there's people who are, who are missing vital surgeries and things like that this this Christmas, and it sort of at least partly comes back to that. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. That's yeah. a fair point. Another serious issue, um, one that is another kind of existential ongoing problem for the government and one that the media isn't ever going to let go of i suppose mm. it's an important topic too um is migration we've obviously seen uh, a lot of talk this week around the numbers of people crossing the channel um so do you want to run through what the latest news is on that why it's been capturing the media's attention again why it's an important topic to be discussing again and also the kind of announcements made by sunak 
Yeah, so um, it's a topic that doesn't seem to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and as this year has gone on and more people try and cross the channel to get to the UK, it's kind of gets more and more media attention because mm-hmm. um, it is record numbers at the moment. Yeah. Uh, on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I think Rishi Sunak made a big announcement, load of proposals to deal with channel crossings yeah. with the goal of, well, two, two goals really. One, to try and stop people crossing the channel. Yeah. And the second, to clear the backlog of asylum claims that currently exist within the system, which is something like, uh, I think there's 140,000 people in that wow. in the backlog waiting for a, uh, to hear back for their asylum claim. Um, so he announced a whole load of new things. Um, I'll, I'll run through pretty quickly, if possible. Um, firstly, in terms of dealing, trying to stop people across the channel, he's promised new legislation at, to make this is a quote, to make unambiguously clear that if you enter the UK illegally, you will not be able to remain here. Instead, you will be detained and swiftly returned Mm -hmm. uh, to your home or to a safe country. Um, So we can look out for some new legislation. Sure. He also promised a new unified small boats operational command that will specifically look at uh, kind of intercepting and monitoring the channel crossings. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to uh, I think he wants to double the number of asylum case workers to deal with that massive backlog. Yeah. He wants to increase raids on illegal working by 50%. He wants to find new places around the country to use as reception centers for migrants sure. and asylum seekers rather than using hotels, which is an ongoing kind of yeah. thing people don't like. Um, but then the main thing that he was talking about actually was really quite focused on on Albanian migrants, Albanian okay. people crossing the channel into the UK. Um, So some of the announcements relating to that, he wants to change modern slavery laws to significantly raise the threshold of what it is to be considered a modern slave, um, because a lot of people will, uh, you know, in their asylum claim, you know, that part of their evidence, justification, yeah, for entry is that they are a victim of modern slavery. Okay. Um, So that's, he wants to change the threshold for that to make it harder for people to make that claim. Um, he wants a dedicated unit to expedite Albanian asylum claims. Okay. Um, he wants, uh, basically, he, he said, he wants to get to a point where the vast majority of claims from Albania can be deemed unfounded and that people from Albania can be sent home. Wow. Um, and he talked about weekly flights until all Albanians in the backlog have been removed. So what? it's really quite targeted yeah, that really at is. Albanian what people. What is the focus on Albania? What's that, what's that about? Yeah, so um, this year in particular, the mm-hmm. number of, the, the proportion of people from Albania crossing the channel yeah. into the UK has has risen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, uh, you know, still lots of people from Iran, Syria, Afghanistan, but yeah. the number of people from Albania has, has risen. And the government have really like latched onto that. Um, partly, I don't know if, whether the government did it first or the media did it first, but it's sure. kind of, a, you know, inter, intertwined, I suppose, mm-hmm. because... Uh, the government say, you know, Albania is a safe country. There's no reason why people should come from Albania to the UK and claim asylum. Um, that's the government's take on it. So they really want to firstly stop Albanians coming and claiming asylum in the UK and sure. for Albanians currently in the system in the UK to be to be sent home. Um, oh, another thing I didn't mention, they've got a new agreement with Albania to put mm. border force officials in the air, at the airport in Albania uh, okay. to try and stop people smuggling and human trafficking, that type of thing. Wow. Um, but it's, it was quite, you know, there's been a lot of rhetoric, especially from Suela Braverman recently about Albanians, but we haven't really heard so much of it from Rishi Sunak. Mm-hmm. But that statement he made to the House of Commons was really, really quite targeted yeah. on Albanian people um, in quite a surprising way. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it doesn't feel that many months since there were debates in the House of Commons when it was Boris Johnson and Priti Patel saying 
their legislation. This mm-hmm. is going to crack down on channel crossings. Yeah. This is the solution. Mm. And we're back here again. Sure. And they're promising new laws to do exactly the same thing. So if the government are promising new solutions for the same problem, yeah. obviously the opposition benches didn't like the old solutions. Yeah. They would have deemed them to be a failure. What's their take on these newer solutions? Um, I mean, Keir Starmer said himself, he said, we've heard all this before. Mm-hmm. You're saying word for word the same thing as a few months ago. Yeah. Um, he he recognises that there is a there is an issue that needs solving, yeah. and that is that people are making dangerous crossings. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we just saw this week that I think at least four people have lost their lives mm-hmm. in one crossing uh, a few days ago. Um, but he says what the government have given us are, uh, I mean, look, unworkable <laughs> gimmicks. That's the exact phrase okay. he used. Um, and he says the system is bad for refugees and bad for taxpayers. So he's yeah. kind of towing the line between saying, you know, it's it's inhumane for the people trying to come here, and it's you know expensive and inefficient for people paying taxes i think i think a lot of this comes down to the fact that sunak is really trying to play to his base and he's mm. worried about the, the the emergence of like a yeah. nigel farage party yeah and like you know you you can have your own views on the, the the asylum system in this country but ultimately the laws are that if you come to this country and you have a reasonable claim mm-hmm. for asylum the way that you enter the country you can't be prosecuted for that you're, yeah. you're even though it's technically illegal to do so that that's your reason for doing it mm. yeah. and 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 this is why a lot of people cross the channel because yeah. they they do have a legitimate claim to asylum and there's no unless you're ukrainian i think there's an afghanistan scheme and as well syrian. and yeah. syrian as well unless you're from one of those three countries there's no way to claim asylum in this country without somehow getting to this yeah. country first so but but sunak doesn't want to talk about that no. he won't he won't he, he, he comes up with these you know these gimmicks of, to, to to try and appease a, a base without actually looking at the broader problem, mm-hmm. which is that the only way that you can actually make these claims, even if you have a legitimate claim, yeah, is, is if you're on somehow, UK soil. Yeah, somehow yeah. get onto UK soil, and and how do people get yeah. to UK soil? It's it's, it's I mean, in these, these Suella, horrible, dangerous dinghies. Suella Braverman had that embarrassing moment not too long ago in a committee here, a select committee mm-hmm. hearing, where she was asked, you know, how can someone from all these countries? Yeah. make it to the UK and make an asylum claim. And she said, well, they've got to take a safe and legal route, but there are none which for those one? people. Yeah. Um, which is the fundamental problem that the government isn't addressing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, loads of charities that work with refugees and asylum seekers, uh, you know, they have lots of different ideas on how to deal with things, but they all agree on the fact that safe and legal routes mm-hmm. are needed. Um, and if the government aren't going to address that, then this problem of it's people crossing the channel is just going to keep it, going. It's remarkable how easily they're swayed and how easily they'll uh, institute these things um, when there is a big news story, like with Ukraine. I mean, it's completely mm. right that we have the, the Ukraine. I understand why the Ukraine scheme exists, but there's a lot of other problems in other countries. You yeah. know, we, 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 we've done videos on Tigray, for example, in Ethiopia. Sure. Mm. There's no, no scheme to come here from Ethiopia if yeah. you've got... Um, you know, you know, if you've got human rights abuses, if you, if you have a legitimate claim for asylum, but they're more than happy to institute safe and legal yeah. routes, it's provided it's in it's sure. in the news. Um, but unfortunately, Ethiopia hasn't hasn't caught the attention of the mass media, and therefore they don't get a, they don't sure. get a scheme to come here. Mm. Well, it sounds like a, it's sounds a like messy a situation, real, bit real, real rushy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a big issue, Jack. It's a big issue. Um, okay, we'll see how that goes down over the next couple of weeks with both his own side mm. and also opposition, mm. what the kind of feedback is. It'll be interesting if any of these new so-called gimmicks work any more yeah. successfully than empty flights I'm going to suggest they might not. Um, but we might be back in six months' time when they've promised new legislation on top of the new legislation to really crack down on it this time. We can't. We can't do it again. <laughs> um, thank you both for joining me. Um, You're welcome. It's been interesting. Oh. 
It's unusual to get a response. <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, You're welcome, Jack. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, how That's do I it. respond to that? Oh, we'll see. By, we'll by see telling them who produced this podcast. Uh, this was The Bigger Issue, um, which was hosted by me, Jack Kelly, as well as Ben Blissett and Rory Taylor. It was produced uh, by Scarlett Watchorn and also edited probably by Scarlett Watchorn. It was a TLDR News production for 326 Limited. Goodbye. Congrats, Rishi. Very good. Absolutely well, smashing it, mate. Sorry, I feel like I got serious. You did. Yeah.